1: To all of us. Join Hercules and Victus and crew as they seek answers to these and other timeless questions and serve Mount Olympus by safeguarding the path of mystic ascension. Welcome to the Pride of Olympus.
2: And welcome to Pride of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and tonight I am greatly honored to announce Gabriel's Worldwide Religion of Love, hosted by Michael and Diane Duncan, uh, with guests Nick Curto and myself. Uh, welcome. How are you, Michael and Diane?
3: Well, hi, Hercules. How's it going tonight? Uh, we're, we're so happy to be with you and uh, hope you're doing well. How's it going?
2: I'm doing great. I'm glad Nick is here, too. Greetings, Mr. Curto.
1: I am,
4: indeed, and I'm very much looking forward to this program. It sounded like a very interesting topic, and I can't wait to get started. Well, hello, uh, Nick.
3: It's great to hear from you, Nick. Here's Diane. She wants to say hi.
5: <laughs> oh, Nick, you know, I know that your songs were saying, you know, about war and all that, and but I never thought that, that we would... Do a show on war and conflict I, You know, I'm always trying to be You know, happy, happy, happy <laughs> Prosperity very with Madreya You
4: do a very good job that. You and Michael both You really, you really have quartered the market On love, you have <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I will, but say, I will that, say that, uh, that. Uh, Mars came to visit us And he prefers to be called Aries and that was kind of a surprise, because I've always called him Mars, but we've never had him as a guest before. So he did come, and uh, it was really um, an amazing meeting. Um, this one was on September the 14th, and it was in our backyard patio temple. And and we had uh, quite a large group, but we had quite a few people speaking, and Mars, Aries, uh, spoke, but he spoke on war, and uh, I thought, well, this is interesting. I, I don't know if other people would be interested in a uh, topic on war and conflict, but he gave <laughs> us some wonderful <laughs> ideas, Nick, that uh, we wanted to pass on to you.
4: Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're addressing that issue. I think it's so important because the opposite of total love is total war.
5: Exactly. Exactly,
3: and uh, here's Michael. Just, you want your oh yeah, Nick. So, uh, what an interesting, uh, you know, topic that we have tonight. Because, uh, as Diane mentioned, uh, we met with Aries, and he said uh, September 14th, and he said that conflict is a necessary component of our life here, of our evolution, of our ascendant career. And, uh, you know, at first, <clears throat> excuse me, at first when we uh, talk to these celestials and they visit us, you know, everything is really positive and everything is, uh, you know, uh, they're sharing their the work that they're doing in a positive way. And, you know, they give us a lot of hope and a lot of comfort for our planet and the people of our planet that they are working behind the scenes and doing their part to really uplift us and uplift our planet, you know. And usually it's really positive, and they give us a lot of hope and comfort. (laughs) So we were kind of shocked to hear that uh, one of Aries' main um, goals or main jobs in our world is to create conflict.
4: But there's different kinds of conflict, and certainly killing. War is killing of obliterating and that I hope that the conflict doesn't go there. There can be other kinds of conflict that will make us grow and i I understand that concept because when you have challenges and you overcome them, you grow. so I do get that part,
3: yeah, so uh you know, and of course the the celestials are are working according to the universal father's plan for our for our world, so I'm sure they have everything. Everything well planned out And everything in check here um, But as far as uh, As far as What he mentioned About conflict And of course You know we've heard Nick And we've shared with you and Hercules That Maitreya Lord Maitreya And others are really working Toward world peace You know they're uh, They want And the local universe Father too Wants a really good measure Of world peace And stability to be able to work out these plans that they have for the magisterial mission and for the worldwide religion of
4: love. Well, we need that never more than right now. As uh, I'm sure you all know, the uh, the headlines and what's going on now is just ribbing up to such a, a fever pitch that, uh, boy, if there's ever a time we needed that kind of uh, intercession, this is it.
3: Mm-hmm. And, we're, and we're told there we're told specifically i mean straight out that there won't be another world war that that they're they're working they're working on uh actually we we uh, had heard about uh neptune we had heard about neptune helping to calm some of the emotional bodies of people that might mm-hmm. be a little out of control at this time so that people can open themselves up Open their minds to a little more divine truth, which they want to give us during this time, and to open our hearts to love, which Mother Venus will be giving us during this uh, worldwide religion of love. So, the they want a good measure of stability and peace, and they want those emotional bodies calmed, so that they can work work out this new cycle. Um, but it's interesting because I want to go back to, I want to go back to Aries and the conflict. And this is what he says about conflict. He says that uh, conflict is something that makes us choose. It makes us choose which side we're on. It makes us choose between the good and the bad, and in that way, it's a necessary component for us, you know, because if we're just complacent and we're sedentary and everything's great, everything's really perfect, no problems at all, that's not necessarily going to... uh, burn growth or help us evolve, you know. And the Arantia book is is full of that concept that, hey, it's not going to be all, uh, you know, it's not going to be a a bed of roses, (laughs) no pleasure cruise, right? (laughs) No bed of roses, no pleasure cruise, to quote uh, Freddie Mercury, of course, Queen. But uh, (laughs)
6: look
3: at, uh, Nick, we want to look at uh, paper 105 here uh, from the Arantia book. Uh, talking, talking about the repercussions of finite reality. What happens? What happens when we go from absolute potentials, you know, infinite potentials, to uh, finite realities, finite existence within the supreme, right? And we, mm-hmm. have cer- we have certain repercussions due to, uh, you know, due to to this system that they've set up that we're, that we're involved in. Uh, there's the deity response. There's, of course, deity actualizing in time and space. Uh, we have the universe response. The system is set up. The the evolutionary system is set up. And then uh, in Section 6 of Paper 105, Section 6, uh, Paragraph 4, it says here, it says, The creature repercussion to finite reality promulgation resulted in the appearance of perfect beings on the order of the eternal inhabitants of Havona and of perfected evolutionary ascenders from the seven superuniverses. But to attain perfection as an evolutionary, and in parentheses, time-creative experience, implies something other than perfection as a point of departure. Thus arises imperfection in the evolutionary creations. And this is the origin of potential evil. Misadaptation, disharmony, and conflict, all these things are inherent in evolutionary growth, from physical universes to personal creatures, and so with that, and of course, you know, throughout the Urantia Book, there are numerous, you know, numerous instances where they say, um, you know, <laughs> it's no better roses, no pleasure cruise, but I, I, I believe, though, Nick, that I believe that it's a good conflict. That Aries is bringing to us I, do, I don't think it's a bad conflict That he's talking about You know what I mean I don't think it's something That uh, we need worry about That the celestials Are going to cause, cause wars Unnecessarily For our evolutionary growth You know what I mean So I think it's a positive I, I think what we're talking about is a positive
4: I'd like to think uh, Maybe this is a wish, dream On my part But I I would like to think that they are perhaps taking the veil, taking the mystery out of what's behind the conflicts, what's behind the wars, who is starting them, and and why. Why is that even happening? When I was a kid and I would look at television or movies and I would see uh, through them people all over the world, China, Russia, Russia, America, Canada, South America, and you would see the people, and you would see the incredible diversity and and loving people trying to get through the day, trying to get through life, loving their families and friends. And I'm seeing that, and it's overwhelming that you just see that. And I'm thinking, then where does the war, where does that conflict come from that's hurting and killing vast quantities of people, hurting so many? Where would that be from? And why? Why would that be from? And um, I was thinking about that because I knew the theme of the show, and I I saw something on a post on the Internet from September 25th, so it was was just yesterday, and it was by Paul Craig Roberts. Did you read that by any chance? Did you see that?
3: Oh, no. No, no,
4: please don't. This is – I'll do it briefly, but I think it's it's really relevant to what we're talking about tonight. And he was talking about the cover-up of President John F. Kennedy's assassination that is now wearing thin. And it goes something like this. There's powerful evidence that the Warren Commission report on the assassination of President John F. Kennedy is indeed a cover-up. All available evidence points to the – here we go – CIA – and the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff with the cooperation of the Secret Service as the murderers of John F. Kennedy. 56 years after the murder, the U.S. government still refuses to release the documents that would prove what really happened on that fateful day. So clearly the truth is being hidden. And when truth is being hidden, the red flags go up. Uh, uh, This is a very sad uh, statement of who is is their their, their really likely cause to blame, and just one more part of this, and that is they said, during President Kennedy's term, the Joint Chiefs of Staff were ravid, white-ring warmongers who wanted to attack the Soviet Union with hydrogen bombs and conduct false flag attacks on Americans including shooting down U.S. planes. And the project's secret name was Northwood's Project. So it was an actual, it was an actual uh, procedure in order to build public support for the invasion of Cuba. And as you know, President Kennedy refused, and they were extremely disturbed about Kennedy's, uh, w- who was working with Khrushchev, and here it comes, to end the Cold War at that yeah. time. And the CIA was angry with President Kennedy's refusal to support the Bay of Pigs. And the Bay of Pigs invasion failed because Kennedy refused to provide U.S. Air Force support. The CIA watched its army uh, of of, uh, Cuban mercenaries during this. It was also known that Kennedy intended to withdraw U.S. troops, here it comes, from Vietnam after his re-election. The view of the right-wing U.S. military security complex was that Kennedy was soft on communism and a threat to U.S. national security. If Kennedy had managed to end the Cold War and pull out of Vietnam, it would have been delivered a blow to the power and profit, here it comes, of the military security complex. That is an amazing statement, and it, I had to read it several times to, to fathom to fathom what that is. And just one last, last sentence I think would be meaningful. It says, American democracy right now is dysfunctional because the people live in a false reality of controlled explanations. Americans have no idea of what really is going on, and increasingly, here it comes, Seem not to care. That that is like oh my God! If that's really if that is really true, then then per, then some of the of the wars that are being caused are 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 being caused for those kinds of reasons of power and greed. Um, and I think part of the the counteraction to that would be certainly love, love to 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 go everywhere this world's countries and people are and to open up the hearts which you guys are certainly trying to do in your way and I I always applaud that. Absolutely. We need we need more Michaels and Diane's in this world than all the countries we do. We do. Maybe we can clone you. I don't know. Um, you
5: know I wanna just put in a personal incident about what you're talking about.
4: Sure, sure. Um in nineteen
5: ninety two now I'm getting some feedback I don't know why. I don't know why. Are you hearing it?
2: I'm hearing it too. Yes, it's on your line. I I don't know what I can do from it. Uh, I I don't know what to do uh, okay. for from this end. Right. Yeah. Are so you want to well, in uh, Okay. In 1962,
5: uh, in Hercules and Nick, um, in October, uh, I had just met my first husband on October the fifteenth, 1962. I just moved to Colorado and uh, it was an exciting time and my my husband-to-be came in i was just working in a little cleaners you know i was just uh 18 <laughs> 18 years old and mm-hmm. uh, he came in he was a lieutenant in the army at fort carson in colorado And uh, we struck up a really wonderful conversation, and he started coming to the cleaners every night. (laughs) But uh, one night he came there, just right after we met. Uh, I don't know the exact date, but it probably was just days. And he said, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be pulling out tonight. Uh, We're going to go to Cuba.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, brother.
5: And uh, he said, you may not see me after this because I'm one of the first ones to go in. He oh. said, I'm going in. And I was really sorry, but, you know, we just met just for a few days or whatever it was. I don't remember dates right now, but October 1962. And the next morning he came back <laughs> and said, President Kennedy called it off.
4: Wow. He called
5: it off. Oh, and boy. so he was so relieved because uh, I, I'm I'm sure that that poor little guy would not have survived because <laughs> he was supposed to have been the, one of the very first to go in. Mm. But uh, getting back, Nick, to 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 Aries, to the Celestials, um, there I don't see, and they are telling us that there is no. Um, particular war that we're going to be involved in. Now, of course, you know, there's little things going on, and but I mean, you know, nothing of any magnitude. Um, they have pretty well taken care of that part of the deal, so to speak. They are, they are not just working on our planet. They are working with Mars. Aries is working with Mars. We've been um, listening to some really interesting new facts about how they are going to... Uh, Uh, Change the ice caps on Mars and the permafrost in the Earth, you know, the soil has water in it, and reseed that planet, and they're saying that there are uh, energies on Mars that they're going to remove. And then, after that, they're going to uh, bring a new population in and uh, have a new humanity on Mars, so they're working on all these planets, but it seems to me from what Ares is saying that there is conflict, just like the Rancho book says, all the way up in the Ascension career. Now, I'm not saying war, but conflict okay now. Uh, it seems what he's saying is he's trying to give us uh, not only an answer to the uh, bigger magnitude of war, I mean, you know, that, that we we have faced in our history, World War I and Two, and so forth, but he was more talking actually about the conflict that we go through uh, from day to day, Uh, all of the the things that disturb us, that we're trying to figure out, and including trying to figure out uh, what's going on in our political system, too, of course, and the world. But he was trying to give us some ideas about to clarify conflict ourselves. And one of his ideas was, he said, number one, you look at the other side. You write down everything the other side is saying, whether whether it's a, a country that is complaining or a person in your arena of conflict. You, you think about it before you speak, before you speak. You write it down what they're saying. And then number two, he said, you silence yourself. And then you listen to what your inner guide is telling you, and you be quiet until your mental body is in control and your emotional body has uh, calmed down. And during this silence, he's saying that then Athena will come in and bring her wisdom, that it's very hard to bring forth wisdom unless the emotional body is calm and the mental body then can proceed. And then his next um, idea was then make a decision for the good of everyone, not just yourself. If it isn't uh, good for the other party, then it's not good. You've got to try and work it out so that everybody has good, even if you, in the short term, have to sacrifice, if the end result is best for everyone, then uh, try and make a decision, not just for yourself, on selfish means. So he was telling us about conflict, and not necessarily the wars of a magnitude like World War I or Two. Now, I do want to mention about those, because I think they are important. I remember when we were in a theosophical meeting with Grace Kenoki and she was the uh, head leader of the uh, western theosophy and we were up in Altadena American section and my son Don who always uh, was so uh, involved with theosophy and still is he wrote his uh, one of his uh, major um, theosophy um, papers on this on war um, he asked her if war was caused by humanity or people or, or what, what was really going on. Um, she told us that a lot of war comes about because of the anger and the energies that we put out into the atmosphere. A lot of it does, but a lot of it is uh, put out by the celestials, too for purposes. And if you study in the Catholic religions, the visions that have been given to us in 1930 by Catherine of um, I know a lot of these different places uh, Catherine of Siena and there's another Catherine, little nuns and um, ladies that have had these visions, they were told by the the Marys that would come that God was punishing them, that nary would or the queen of heaven would try and hold back the arm of the father but that he did uh, bring about some punishment for the people's uh digression or or um the the uh, wrong doing in in their lives now here we are now now nick and hercules here we are where are we i don't think that they're saying there's going to be any war no not at all but they are not happy with the way people are going either They are not. And there is something to say for earthquakes and uh, hurricanes and things being a result of activities on the earth, not activities that we're hearing about in the newspapers, but activities of wrongdoing of the people and anger and emotional bodies out of control. So uh, this is a period where he wants everyone every single person on the earth to become like he's making the earth, a beacon of light. Maitreya wants to bring this prosperity and happiness to every single person on the earth. But they want every person to be a beacon of light and do some part of it themselves. Maitreya is doing his best. Gabriel is doing his best. But we have to do our part. So what do we have to do? We have to calm our emotional bodies. We have to become a beacon of light, too. We have to purify our bodies, purify our minds. And in our last lecture, Thea gave us some ideas on how to do that, that part of it. In other words, the celestials are doing their part. I don't think there's going to be any major confrontation. Materia has done his his business. We have to become a beacon of light like the Earth and like the planet. And that is our job now. And so these little ideas that uh, Aries gave us to, before we speak, look at the other side. Silence yourself so that Gabriel can bring in the truth. And Athena can bring in wisdom. And Venus can bring in the love. And then you make your decision for... Considering everyone so that no one is hurt. Even if you have to sacrifice a little bit yourself, make it an end result where the whole humanity is taken into account. So I don't know. That just seems to me where we are now.
4: Well, the good news uh, that what you're indicating here is that a, a big World War III, which would certainly cripple just about everybody on this planet, uh, isn't, isn't likely to happen according to your, your feedback here and that conflict does exist which of course it does mm-hmm. the idea about stepping back and thinking and trying to bring love into the picture and understanding that's certainly good advice I don't think anybody would argue with that at all I think that's very solid advice um, but there are evil people, there are evils in this world uh, not only not only uh North America, we're talking about worldwide, there are people, not many, but people in huge, powerful positions that have their, 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 their hands on the button of nuclear war. And it just, it's never been more, it seems to me as though we're in a situation that there, there's reason to be very, very cautious now. Um, and I think what you're saying about sending love out in your own way Certainly, that's part of the answer to this. Absolutely, um, maybe understanding uh, uh, of other countries even more so. Absolutely, I, I I can't imagine that anybody would argue with those concepts. Um, but for the the truly evil people that will do anything to get their way, that's a very troubling troubling situation and. Uh, I, I just hope that the Celestials are focusing on those people, too.
5: Um, Nick, and Hercules, too. I am assured, I am assured that that part is done. Matreya has said that he has accomplished uh, that part. And so I am uh, in full faith that they are telling us uh, the, the truth they they have gone ahead with their plan they have made this planet a beacon of light they have said uh, that it is it's just that until we have the worldwide religion of love and that venus and gabriel can open the hearts of the humanity on this earth all seven billion of them we will not see that that has actually happened but they have already made their decisions Uh, I am in full faith that they have and that we do not have to worry about any kind of war like that. They are talking about the wars that we have with each other more, the wars that we have with our family, with our friends. They are wars. They are because they prevent us from becoming a beacon of light, and that is their goal now. They want to start working on making people shine like the shiny ones, The Shining Ones are like Thea and the Celestials. They are the Shining Ones. But they want us to become Shining Ones, too. And only by um, dissolving the anger, dissolving the fear that we have, can we become that beacon of light. We do not have to fear a world war. We do not. All we have to do is make ourselves as pure as possible, drop the fear, put in the love, in the wisdom, and think about the other side to try and help them and not become a part of the problem, but to be solving the problem so that we put aside our personal. uh, That's the sacrifice probably that we make. We put aside our personal to try and help everybody. So I I am in full faith with
4: the celestials that they are in control. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I went to a UN special event, and it was dedicated to world peace. And I only wish that the three of you and all of our listeners could have been there too, because it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, 90 minutes where people from various parts of the world with their music, their, their amazing uh, rituals performed uh, uh, for the group. And prayers were said. And uh, it was one of those uh, uh, beautiful events at the UN that I'll never forget. And I was thinking, I really was thinking when I was there, I really, you and Michael were there to perform a couple of songs that you, that you originate because what a, it would been so fitting for you to be there and perform those songs of, of love and and peace that you've done, and uh, there was a tree that was brought in, and everybody was asked to write on slips of paper, and put on the trees uh, sayings or organizations that they uh, represented uh, in, in the in the in, on the peace tree. They called it the peace tree, and I put the uh, the Orange Book Society. Uh, of Greater New York, I wrote that on the slip, and I pinned that on the peace tree. Oh, how wonderful. And I wish you were there for that. Hercules, too, I just wish you were there for that. And, you know, it was one of those moments that you saw people from all over the world together, together celebrating diversity, uh, showing the love that they have in their hearts for each other, their brothers and sisters, and I'm thinking, why isn't this the rule? Isn't, why is our planet not like this all the time? Why not? It was, it was um, one of those um, moments, I wish, I wish you were there.
5: Yes. Well, you know, I just want to say that just in this last week, uh, they've been telling us to start contacting churches in our area and Christian churches. And this is exactly what we have been doing Michael and I have contacted one particular church uh, that is a brand new, exciting, dynamic church, Christian church. And uh, we have sent them our our beautiful uh, albums, and we've sent them our pictures, and they have contacted us, and they are very interested in not only peace, uh, the main... Uh, well, I guess the main minister who actually founded this new pastor founded this new religion. Well, I guess this particular one didn't found it. The one that uh, went over to Israel, yeah, he took over from the founder. But the founder also was very was very involved in peace. But this new gentleman uh, went over to Israel and was talking with uh, the the Israelite uh, leader, and uh, so that that is really. Um, just something that every church should start doing to uh try to reach out like that for world peace this this church was only begun um let's see I think in nineteen eighty nine yeah Michael knows more about it because he's been contacting them, but we have sent them our our songs of world peace and of uh the songs about of America. And we're hoping that they will include those in their ministry. So we're doing exactly this. Every single person should start contacting religious organizations, and we also we're telling them about the Rancher book. Uh, Michael, can you tell them about the church? Yeah,
3: sure. Uh, Nick, well, you know we're big proponents of world peace. <laughs> was, I guess so.
4: Yes, yes, indeed.
3: Well, you know, interest. I'll get into the church in just a second, but, uh, you know, it was in July of 2016, we were in a team meeting, and the local universe father was present, and he said, what I want you to do is I want you to set up a worldwide prayer circle for world peace. So we set up the prayer circle for world peace for everyone, wherever they are in the world, to pray or send thoughts, prayers. Uh, you know, positive thoughts for world peace at specific times, like once a month, and we would advertise it. And Hercules, thank you for, uh, you helped us to advertise some of those world peace prayer circle times. Thank you very much. My pleasure. (laughs) So he wanted us all to pray together for world peace. And we're told that Maitreya, Lord Maitreya, is praying to the universal father for world peace. And we thought that was strange because, you know, why would a celestial pray to a a god or why would a god pray to a god or whatever. But um the universal father has a particular interest in our earth at this time and he is making strides toward world peace. And he said that he's going into he's he's going into I don't know whether it's his presence or it's his thoughts or what is what it what it is but the Universal Father is lending His presence to worship spaces, and has for a while, within the last year, that He's visiting, He's visiting uh, churches, temples, mosques, spiritual centers, and worship gathering centers to start working on us a little bit, you know, start uh, helping us out a little bit. So, but one of the messages of the worldwide, uh, not the worldwide peace prayer, but the, uh, the worldwide religion of love was for everyone to go to a different place of worship and talk to the people, see how other people worship, you know, connect with, with people uh, in that way, sharing and just kind of observing, seeing what the other guy is doing and kind of connect on that level in a way to bring us together a little bit more as a collective body of worshipers, you know. So we we contacted this one church preliminarily because you know, we were told we were told that this was not really to start for us visiting other churches until March of 2020. But it's interesting that a job opening came up. On a sunday for for a worship director, so I contacted him to see what was going on. and I thought, well, maybe in the process you know we can share with them and, and connect with them uh, It's called Free Chapel. You can look it up it's uh It's based in Gainesville, Georgia, but they have like three or four other campuses in Georgia, but they also have a campus here in Irvine near us in Irvine, California. So we, we were sharing with them through the application process for this, uh, you know, worship position. And it was really it was really nice because we were able to share our ideas of world peace, and we were able to share some of our music, and we shared a lot of our uh, Urantia book ideas. And it's interesting that one of the members, one of the members of Free Chop, which I think Diane was going to talk yeah. about, yeah, you want to
5: tell? Yeah, okay. Here, Robert. Oh, um, Nick and Hercules. About three years ago, uh, Robert Burns, who was our fellowship leader of the Rancho Book. You know Robert, don't you, Nick?
4: Oh, very much so. Yes, of course.
5: <laughs> yes, we were members of his uh, study group for about almost five years. Uh, oh. His wife, his beautiful wife, passed away. And she was only about uh, 60, you know, she was very young and just so charming, and, and uh, she was a comedian, and uh, just really, uh, Joan Rivers, uh, she worked with her and was a very close friend with her, but she did pass away. And uh, so, oh, <laughs> so I just wanted to tell you that we were invited to the beautiful memorial, and it just happened to be at this free chapel <laughs> in Irvine. Oh. The oh, church we're really? talking about. The church we're talking about. And uh, it actually Jerry Dalton drove us over there, another urancha fella. And mm-hmm. uh, so we just had the most exciting time there, and we all prayed for Cindy. But it was such a dynamic church, and we had Pato Banton uh, sing and. Uh, of course, Antoinette played, and, and there were so many Urantia people that flew in from everywhere around the country and around the world. Paula Thompson came uh, to it, and, uh, oh, well, Michael, you, you tell them.
3: Oh, yeah, we had a lot of people from, uh, you know, throughout the country, uh, David Cantor, Michelle Kamesh, Uh There was, um, oh, gosh, um, that gentleman... Uh, so it uh, works with the truth seekers a lot. Oh, yeah. uh, well, it was a wonderful event, guys. Uh but this free chapel, you know, it's a it's a church that uh, that live streams, they live stream their worship services on Sundays and they have a potential reach of uh, a couple billion people on uh, wow. charter there're a lot of charter channels, you know. Mhm. And uh, they're talking about world peace, and like Diane mentioned, that the pastor, his name is uh, Franklin, Jenison Franklin, is the pastor, and you can check out some of the free chapel stuff, but he went to Israel, and he interviewed uh, Rabbi Thule there in Israel. There are a couple of little towns that have been having some trouble with terrorism, So he reached out to them to talk about some ways that, you know, people could get aid, uh, people could be more protected there. So I thought that was a really nice uh, interfaith outreach that he was doing and trying to create, you know, good vibes for for world peace and and protecting people. But I I wanted to, before we we close out a little bit here, guys, I just wanted to... um, I just wanted to get back to this idea of conflict and war and and how it kind of fits how it kind of fits in our experience here according to the rancho book and it seems to me like what Aries was talking to us about guys is about not necessarily war in the big picture or, you know, like what happens when you walk down a dark alley and someone has a knife and all that. What do you do? But but these relationships, because we have relationships with each other. We have relationships with the celestials. And I think he was talking about our relationships with each other, especially like in the political climate today in America is there's a lot of hostility, a lot of people that are trying to destroy each other because of their ideas and things. It's natural. It's a natural thing. This is what, and and, and Aries gives us some solutions here. So this is what it says in Paper 70, The Evolution of Human Government, and this is Section 1, The Genesis of War. And it's just a paragraph and a half. It says, War is the natural state and heritage of evolving man. Peace is the social yardstick measuring civilization's advancement. Before the partial socialization of the advancing races, man was exceedingly individualistic, extremely suspicious, and unbelievably quarrelsome. Violence is the law of nature, hostility, the automatic reaction of the children of nature, while war is but these same activities carried on collectively. That's the violence and hostility. And wherever and whenever the fabric of civilization becomes stressed by the complications of society's advancement, there is always an immediate and ruinous reversion to these early methods A violent adjustment of the irritations of human... And what does it say, this last word in this paragraph? Interassociations. War is an animalistic reaction to misunderstandings and irritations. Peace attends upon the civilized solution of all such problems and difficulties. Now, those two words in the second paragraph civilized solution and i think that's what aries wants us to think about during these very difficult times of polarization aries is saying in a conflict try to look at the other side in whatever way you can whether that's leaving thinking about it writing it down taking a deep breath counting to 10 Try to figure out what's going on, what, what's happening here, what is that other person trying to accomplish, who is that person. Do a little research, it seems like, on that person or that group. Number two, and I think is one of the most important, is to silence yourself. Take that, take that animalistic reaction. That's what it says in Paper 70. War is an animalistic reaction to misunderstandings and irritations. Take out the animalistic reaction. Take a deep breath. Silence yourself. Let Athena's wisdom come in. Let Gabriel's truth come in. And let Mother Venus' love come in. And then, hopefully, they will help you, whether it's then or later, make a good decision that benefits both, even if it goes against your personal wishes. And I think... I think going forward, our relationship with each other during this next phase of humanity is going to be extremely important for the advancement of our world and and each other and then that I think when we and this is my last point I think when we when we are able to calm our emotional bodies, take the emotion out. Let the truth, let the love, let the wisdom come in. I think when we do that and when we get our personal relationships under control, I think that's when our relationship with the celestials really starts to bloom. That's my last thought there. (laughs)
5: Um, Hercules and Nick, I just wanted to read... uh, a little tiny uh, poem from uh, our wonderful Donna Whalen, and it's ah. just very short again. We had read it once before, but I think it's so appropriate right now. Uh, right. Oh, God within and God without, please lift me up, don't let me pout. Help me feel the joy you bring, as happy as a day in spring. Mm-hmm. Let me see, let me hear, the word which says, child. Have no fear. Guide me along the path with light. Allow your love beam to be bright.
2: Well, thank you. you that was
5: that. beautiful. Love that. Very From very, Donna. Very yes. But I think the most important uh, point, fellas, is that have no fear. The celestials are in control. They say they have taken care of the war uh, part. Of this magisterial mission, they say that Maitreya has done his job. They say he is successful. Now we have to do our part, and we become as glorious as they are, beautiful beacons of light, shining ones. So that was the message.
2: Wow, that this is this is a little bit uh, uh, different than uh, the topics. Uh, uh, normally uh, talked about, and uh, uh, a lot of uh, food for thought. And in the Olympian uh, tradition, uh, and there are several Olympian traditions, but in the one that I happen to uh, to follow, uh, it's an older strand. Uh, I'm a Lemnian Greek, and Lemnos was very uh, much uh, uh, attuned with Troy and with uh, Eturia, or Tuscany, the Etruscans. Yeah. Aries is the sun. In that system, Aries is the son of Hercules and Athena. Oh. And, and he represents humanity and humanity's evolution. Okay. So being human involves uh, having to resolve uh, conflict. Yeah. And the path of Aries is the path of conflict resolution, to learn how to not be a doormat, not let people step on you, to be able to assert yourself Uh, and to handle all the challenges that life uh, happens uh, to toss your way. So um, Aries is like a a kung fu master who teaches you how to better, you know, handle situations so that uh, um, they're handled uh, optimally and to the benefit uh, of all. And his um, female counterpart in this system is Arethi which is usually translated as virtue. Uh, sometimes it's translated as uh, your personal best. And oh. that is following a particular code, acting in a principled manner. So that teaches us that in dealing with lives, uh, conflicts uh, that are inevitable because that is where we are, um, we need to act from a place of a principle, which in what you were saying is Athena, because Athena represents uh, that. Mm. So that very thought-provoking. You've given me a lot to uh, think about, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about uh, this particular
5: topic. Oh well, wonderful. Um, I'll just mention too. Thank you, we, uh, That was
3: very nice. Yes, uh, he conflict resolution Aries. There, there's another parallel
5: uh-huh. there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. Uh, I just I just wanted to make a mention, too, that we didn't get into our most exciting part of our uh, message today, which was, are we broadcasting to the other planets? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And that is information they have just told us about, that the answer, Nick, I don't know if you're hearing this, but we are.
4: Oh, yes. Okay, yes.
5: We are. <laughs> I don't think I have time to go into that too much, but... Uh, They were telling us that we here on the earth, we are broadcasting out to other planets that the broadcast is usually first going to Jerusalem, which we've said was Venus. And then Venus will broadcast it out to the other planets. But the Earth is indeed broadcasting out. And that is a real exciting message, and we'll save that for another time.
4: That would be a terrific <laughs> program, absolutely. Let's go into that, yes.
6: So. Well, we're, yes so I'm we're looking all... forward
2: to that, uh, too, because uh, my focus has become increasingly uh, on our solar system. So I'm really looking forward okay. to What has been uh, revealed to you concerning uh, our neighborhood in space?
3: Exactly, and that's what I was just going to say. That uh, you know, we we are all into into uh, you know what's happening in our solar system, who's traveling where, who's influencing whom, and it's interesting because uh, you know in our preliminary studies, I mean, we were just we were just you know. We were just told this not too long ago, but in our preliminary studies, we've been researching a little bit to see what's what it's all about. And, you know, we found out that uh, other planets are broadcasting to other planets as well, that, yeah. that we're not just broadcasting or, sh- you know, uh, sending out signals or what have you. Because, I mean, we're sending out a lot of mind stuff, regardless of our technology and all that stuff. We're, We're sending out a lot of stuff. Emotions are going out and everything. But that other planets are broadcasting, too. Other planets are sending out signals. They're sending out waves of different types. I mean, there are low waves low frequency waves that are
5: high frequency waves that are
3: potentially hitting the earth and uh-huh. high, and they've measured them scientists have measured oh, of course. the the frequencies uh-huh. coming from jupiter uh,
5: uh-huh.
3: as you know for example so yeah this would be really exciting guys and yes. and and you know what i've you know what i've done um uh-huh. i've not only uh prayed for world peace on our planet i i pray almost every day for our planet and for world peace on our planet but I also pray for peace on other planets in the solar system. Oh, we have (laughs) to
5: now, because now they're telling us all about these other planets. And and now we know that Jerusalem includes our whole solar system, is uh, part of Jerusalem, which we didn't know. And that is just really exciting. So our uh, magisterial mission, uh, the um, the homes that we go to, the heavens, the mansion oh, worlds, are all on Jupiter. They're not on the surface. They're on the moons or whatever we call them. But uh, there's so much, and it's getting so exciting. Uh, I know some of the low-frequency uh, radio waves are not coming in because our Earth blocks them, but we're getting a lot of the high-frequency ones. And, and uh, But anyway, they're telling us that we are broadcasting, and you might be surprised, Hercules, that you might be... Um, a star somewhere on Jupiter because and you might be
2: a radio star, you might be a radio star <laughs> <laughs> and you don't and know me. it. We and I, I wish <laughs> we had time to explore this more uh, and we of will course. in a private conversation uh, before we get to it uh, uh, on the air, uh, but we need to end our journey for today. Or our next yeah. guests yeah. Uh, are here. How can folks best enter your world, Michael and Diane? Well, you
3: uh, YouTube is probably the best place uh, to start. We uh we have 82 videos now on our YouTube wow. channel. And we're uh boy my my little fingers and eyes are working as fast <laughs> as they can to, to get these uh team meeting messages out, these truth talks with Gabriel, the celestial team meetings, the meetings in the temple. Um they want us to get them out and I'm trying to get them out as much as possible. You're
6: doing excellent job.
3: Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Hercules. Uh, 82 videos on our YouTube channel, and it's Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Second word is and. Third word, Diane, D-I-A-N-N-E. Last word is Duncan, D-U-N-K-I-N. It's Michael and Diane Duncan. You can explore our videos. We also have songs that you can explore on our artist page. I have an artist page it's Reverend Michael Duncan on CD Baby. We have four albums on CD Baby. Wow. And the artist page is Reverend Michael Duncan. Some of those are world peace songs too. Um but uh you know those those four albums uh are also on multiple download and streaming sites, uh iTunes, Amazon, uh Shazam, lots of different platforms there. And then also you can contact us personally. It's michaelduncan1 at hotmail.com, michaelduncan1 at hotmail.com. And just to give you a little preview, uh, in March of 2020 we're going to be going to other churches and we're going to be chronicling our meetings with other church leaders and our experience with other churches in a biweekly newsletter that we're going to put awesome. out. In association with Gabriel and the and Venus in the new worldwide religion of love.
5: And thank wow. you, Nick. Thank you so much for coming. We just love you so dearly, and and Hercules. We thank you for your beautiful message on Aries on Mars. Thank you for enlightening us and Nick, so much. My and Nick pleasure. Has,
2: oh, and how Nick, can people enter your world, Nick?
4: Yeah, I, I couldn't hear that. What? How can oh, people
2: enter, your, email. World, <laughs> enter your, your world? You have all these things going on.
4: Right. Um, I recently uh, uh, was in a studio here at the uh, Community community uh, uh, TV, and they, they taped four 28-minute programs on various subjects. Oh. And, and it's now, if you go to YouTube, and um, if you just put my name in, uh, Nick, <laughs> N-I-C-K, Curto, C-U-R-T-O, uh, I'm on a program uh, called um, Diana Mumford, and oh. you'll see Diana. She's quite an amazing person. She really is quite quite a, a energetic and a lot of fun to uh, be interviewed uh, with her. We had a great time, and we, we uh, taped four programs. I believe they're all on YouTube oh, yeah. right now. Awesome. Oh, that's uh, true. When you get a chance, I'd love you to comment on those, and also the listeners too. I would very much like that. And you can get me at my email, and that is n i c k, n y, n y, the number one, at gmail dot com. Oh.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael, Diane, and Nick. Uh, always a pleasure. Lots to uh, think about. Uh, and uh, this was a, a very profound uh, and different uh, show. And I thank you and I thank the Celestials. Uh, we're going to go now to Dream Within a Dream by Brian Henke. And we will be back with Living Theosophy with Ellen Maxson. All all right. Much love
5: to you. All. God bless you all. Love to you. Love you us. too.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: bye. Bye bye. 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 Welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and our next guest is Ellen Maxson, and the segment is Living Theosophy, which focuses on the ascension process. And I can think of no better person uh, than Ellen to share her wisdom uh, in this area. Greetings and welcome, Ellen. How are you?
7: Good, Hercules. How are you this evening?
2: i'm doing extremely well uh, very busy but in a good way so that that's uh, good
7: i know you've been traveling around the galaxy that's that's a lot <laughs> uh
2: yes most certainly so i love the cosmic uh, spiritualities and uh, uh theosophy uh with the kumaras from venus and uh Um, You know, all the other uh, uh, planetary information and the 12 labors of Hercules being tied in with the zodiac. Uh, So, Theosophy, too, gives us a vast uh, um, universe uh, to explore uh, uh, with a spiritual hierarchy, the planetary hierarchies, and uh, uh, the solar logo. So, um, I I love uh, spiritual uh, cosmogony.
7: I know it's great, it's very inspiring and uh I was thinking today of what what I wanted to bring forth, and one of the things that was put on my heart was it's time to talk more about Saint Germain because he awesome. is the hierarch- yeah, he is the hierarch of the Aquarian age with his twin flame Portia um but one of the things particularly I wanted to let people know about. They may not know that uh, St. Germain started with Summit, within Summit Lighthouse, but it's, not, it's sort of connected, but not really. It's a brotherhood uh, called Keepers of the Flame. And, um, you know, St. Germain was one of the, the persons who started the Masonics, the Masons way back when. And right. he was always interested. In, in trying to get more of a community of spiritual people who are seeking to support each other. And he started the Keepers of the Flame fraternity back in the um, 50s, I think. And um, it's going today really strongly. It's worldwide, and it's no religion or anything like that. But he seeks to uh, form a friendship, a personal relationship, with all of his chilas, and he does it through the Summit Lighthouse, but you don't have to be a member or anything like that. Um, but the Keepers of the Flame also, there are lessons that are sent with it. And one of the things I'll tell you, its it actually, you know, when you're a member, you definitely feel a stronger relationship with uh, St. Germain. You definitely feel his overshadowing presence and his protection. And his guidance. So it's, it's a wonderful thing to know that that's available. So I did want to just mention that before I forgot about it.
2: <laughs> and, well, thank
7: you. Uh, and that's through yeah. the Summit
2: Lighthouse. So people go to the Summit Lighthouse website and access it that way?
7: Right. Yeah. It's just you go to www.tsl.org slash keepers of the flame. And there, you know, it'll tell you how to join, and um, you will get lessons. You know, there's 33 lessons. They come, I think, once a month. And uh, you can get free uh, key, uh, pearls of wisdom, which are dictations given by all the masters, right. That's free. You you know, you get all of those uh, electronically. And... Um, you know so it's it's a great blessing that's available, and it is a a rather large brotherhood. It is worldwide, so you are a member that you're connected you know through the heart of Saint Germain to many other light bearers on earth so it's it's pretty powerful and um you know, I was just studying for this, I was reading some of the things of saint germain and and the sense of of urgency is is really quite great. <laughs> <laughs> that that we're in a time which you know we are as we know going into the golden age the inception of the age of aquarius which he is the uh hierarch of just as jesus was of the piscean age the past 2000 years so he's very instrumental in making sure that it goes forth into the golden age because um he was a, a ruler and a, in a Great civilization, much higher than this world is today about fifty thousand years ago, that fell. and um, you know he's been working on the, with the earth and on the earth for ever since then to bring to bring us to this point and And you know I'm getting a sense as I was reading some of these things that this may be the the last time in a very long period of time that we have the opportunity to completely turn this earth into you know a golden star. And uh, it's it's pretty exciting to think and, you know, we're all really working hard at it and we have to keep working hard at it. (laughs) We we have to do that. There's there's a lot of stuff going on and we all feel it. So it's it's pretty exciting to know that. And, you know, he really stresses the power of the violet flame to help us to do that, to transmute all the darkness and really put the sense of victory in our hearts and in Uh our lives. Transmute everything that's going on That might be pulling us down in any way Shape or form just to uh, Work with the violet flame Invoke it there's a lot of decrees That people can practice and use And raise their energies and purify Everything everything around them That um, you know sometimes People feel that they don't know What to do about certain situations And just the invocation and the violet flame Is very powerful in helping all kinds Of situations so that's pretty exciting to know.
6: It that is. Yes.
7: May, yeah, Yeah, that may not know the power that they have
2: to do that. So yeah, those things are very powerful. Uh um I basically uh, have incorporated the vial of flame more and more into my meditations. And mm-hmm. uh, it mm-hmm. removes all sorts of uh blockages and uh uh, it frees you from uh, programming, you know, that uh, that keeps you stuck and down, and uh, it kind of revitalizes, gets rid of the old and brings in the new and allows you to uh, progress. And also, mm-hmm. uh, in meditation, I've been to the Cave of Symbols, which is uh, here in the United States. And also, uh, uh, t- a time ago, I used to uh, experiment with the chair of acceleration in the cable of symbols so there's a lot there um, yeah. to uh, help you on your way
7: right and um, there's violet flame decrees that I find whenever I do my decree uh, my my meditation if I do decrees first it really clears the energy and you go so deep so much faster so that's pretty exciting too. just pass that on as a great precursor to meditation, too, is to invoke the violet flame verbally, you know. So
2: outside. what would, it, if someone were, wanted to be part of uh, the Keepers of the Flame, um, mm-hmm. how would that change their spiritual uh, practice uh, uh, once they're operating as Keepers of the Flame? What type of things would they be doing that they weren't doing uh, before they became
1: part of that?
7: Well, there's a lot of knowledge that's given in the Keepers of the Flame lessons. They have a greater understanding of how how everything works from, you know, the the electron being the center of everything to, you know, the universe and how it's all interconnected and, and the, about the ascended masters and the great white brotherhood. And also the practice of decrees, I'm sure, are shared in that and the invocation of not only the violet flame, but but all the flames, you know, you can invoke all the flames and all the yes. hierarchs of ascended masters, and um I mean, lately, I've been doing a lot, there's a decree called Helios and Vesta, and it's a very powerful decree, and I find myself going into that a lot, and then I was in the shower one day, and I'm just sort of communing, and Helios comes to me, and I'm like,
0: oh, I guess I've been doing a lot of decrees, I'm like,
7: hi! You know, it's not really good, but you know, you know, you get a sense that, you know, they've they, they are grateful that you're calling on them because, you know, they say unless we call on them, we're given full reign here in the physical octave. And unless we call on them, they, they they cannot interfere in our free will in our lives. We have to right. ask for help. So, you know, just doing the decrees, you're like constantly giving the masters and the hierarchs of, of, you know, the Great White, well, bigger than the Great White, I mean, just like, you know, Helios and Vesta, I mean, that's the sun energy, you know, you're giving yeah. them a, a permission to come into your life, so it, it's very powerful to do that, and um, some of the decrees, you know, if you practice them enough, they become like a little song in your life, and they just come out easily, you know, just, it's very, they're very rhythmic. I'll tell you a little history about the decrees that were written okay. in, in Summit Lighthouse, which is very interesting. Mark Prophet, who founded it, I'll tell you the the story of how he was first contacted by El Moria, and he was a good Christian boy. And so El Moria comes to him in a turban, and he says, you know, I would like for you to help me open up. Uh, I don't know whether he called it a church or whatever, to bring to to train people and you know bring in more enlightenment to the earth. And you know, Mark Prophet being a good Christian boy he says, I don't know about this guy with a turban. And he, he <laughs> says, I don't think so, you know, and El Moria said your wish is my command and backs off. And then over you know, the few years, you know, he has second thoughts and he said, I don't know. I get a good feeling about that. Maybe I should call him again. And he does, he calls El Moria. and El Moria, you know, allows him to start founding the Summit Lighthouse. But one of the reasons that Mark Prophet was chosen is very interesting. One of his past incarnations was, um, oh, God, I'm not remembering the name right now. But he wrote, um, oh, Aesop, Aesop's Fables. And he was also, um, oh, God, New England. He was a great poet who wrote Hiawatha. You know, who was that poet? Oh, God. Wadsworth, right? Or Wadsworth? Okay, he wrote Hiawath. So he had a great sense of poetry and rhythm. And so he had that mastery within him. And so when the masters inspired him to write these decrees, they're very rhythmic. And so when you say them in a repeated, they have like a rhythm to them, almost like an Indian chant. And they are just like, I'll give you an example, like Helios and Vesta, Helios and Vesta, Helios and Vesta. Let the light flow into my being. Let the light expand in the center of my heart. Let the light expand in the center of the earth. And let the earth be transformed into a new day. Helios and Vesta. Isn't that lovely?
2: That's beautiful.
7: It's beautiful. I mean, it just flows out, you know. And then there's another one that goes that you do three of that and then three of this. I am the light of the heart shining in the darkness of being changed. Wait. I am the light of the heart shining in the darkness of being and changing all into the golden energy. Well, hold on a minute. I'm a little distracted. I am the light of the it's heart light. shining in the darkness. Huh?
2: It's late, so I understand.
7: (laughs) It is late, and I'm wound up. So, you know, but it's just, it's very smooth and lovely, and it's just, it it lifts you up as you're saying it, and, you know, it's, when you hear them, you know, they, they, it's funny, I've found when I was learning decrees after a while, when I was doing them, a lot of times you would go into a meditative state, and... It's almost like you don't know you're doing them, and they say your higher self comes down and is decreeing through you, and your lower self goes up and is in a meditation, and and you can keep doing that without even thinking about it. But the minute I would have a thought, I would lose my, <laughs> I would lose my place which really showed me when I was in a deepest meditation, I was agreeing and it was just like, you know, like there was the exchange of the higher and the lower self. It was beautiful, you know? So it's very inspirational to do that. But that's something that they talk about, I'm sure, in Keepers of the Flame because it's a big part of the teaching to to learn. It's a, just an, it's another, uh, I think, a higher form of prayer, you know? It's just this beautiful beautiful concepts in very rhythmic ways and uh, very high concepts. And it always reminds you of the higher path as you know, you said the words. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful teaching in itself and that's just part of the teaching. You learn about, remember we talked about twin flames. That's part of the teachings, but you learn so many different aspects that are really important to know who you really are, where you came from and everything. So you know, it's just it's they're really beautiful teachings that are given from the masters, and um, yeah, and you definitely feel the um, the protection of
2: Saint Germain,
7: definitely in um, brotherhoods.
2: There are Thank so many everyone. writings that since the days of uh, Blavatsky, who uh, um, brought the uh, theosophies to the modern age, to the ancient theosophies uh, that are the uh, province of uh, scholars and. uh, um, you could spend a lifetime studying and still not even scratch the, the surface. So it's a joyous exploration, uh, one mm-hmm. that never ends. And eventually you become a vehicle for that light.
7: Yes. So it's just, it's just great. So I was just, you know, cause sometimes people don't know where to go and you definitely don't have to be a member of any particular right. church or anything like that. It's a completely a brotherhood in its own right worldwide. So that's, you know, I just felt compelled to say that before I forgot it. Plus, there was, um, they sent recently some, that's why it was on my mind, unpublished teachings of the Keepers of the Flame fraternity. Wow. Um, that was something I was reading, you know, recently, and uh, it inspired me. Let me see if I can. Uh...
2: I remember I used a... to go of Wisdom mm-hmm. back in the I used to get the pearls of wisdom in the mail back in the 1970s.
7: Okay. (laughs) That was great. I know I used to read them. I I sort of miss the printed version. I sometimes get them and print them out from the internet, but I love the way they were printed.
2: Yeah. I look forward to getting them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Now, how can somebody attune themselves with uh Saint Germain aside from uh, uh using the uh violet uh flame? Uh are there ways of becoming more in tune Saint Germain? Uh because Saint Germain is one of those uh um influences that have shaped our age already if you know where
1: to look. Mhm. Well,
7: I would I would call I begin calling on him and meditating and you know just calling on him say I want to get to know you you know he does definitely want to contact us and be there for light bearers and support you so you know if people are in tune with the with the inner realms and everything they just uh, start calling on him and get familiar with his vibration and uh you know he's definitely there for us and wanting to do that. And and Portia too is the twin flame. And it's interesting on the um, on the Congress, the building, the big dome, the statue mm-hmm. on top is, is a statue of Portia. She is the goddess of justice, and that's who's on top of that. Did you know in that?
2: Greek, in Greek, we know her as Vicky.
7: Oh, that, how do you spell that?
2: Viki. Uh, It's usually spelled uh, D-I-K-E. It means justice.
7: Oh, neat. Isn't that exciting? That's wonderful. Viki.
2: Viki, yes.
7: Yeah, that's nice. And so, you know, she's there too. They're together and it's sort of like She's the justice, and he's the freedom flame, the violet. That's the two aspects, and also mercy. That's the aspects of the violet flame is the mercy, or the pinker aspect of the violet, and the bluer tones are the justice, and the in between, the, the magenta is the, the freedom flame. So, yeah.
2: And it's, uh, it's he had lots of incarnations too. He was Merlin uh, to oh. Moria's. And he he's been around the block uh, quite a bit. He was uh, uh, one of the three wise men. There are a lot of incarnations there.
7: No, he was actually Saint Joseph. The three wise men were um, Elmore. Kathumi. That's fine, and Balthazar. Oh, Balthazar was Kathumi. There was. um, Oh gosh, what was the other one? He was the other one was the Pink Flame.
1: I don't remember. Um,
7: Uh, Yeah, but it was Kithumi. And he was St. Joseph. Um, Let me see. I was just going through his his few lifetimes. Um, He was Samuel the prophet.
2: Okay, I remember that.
7: Mm -hmm. And um, he was a great ruler the 50,000 years ago, that one, and... um, he was also a great leader both in Atlantis and Lemuria and he was one of the persons who was told to when Atlantis was going down to take the flame there and put it in the house of Perkazi in the mountains in Hungary. And uh Samuel, he was the prophet who was also looked at as a leader and he uh the the people wanted to have a king, and he said, you know, God is your king, and and they wanted a king, and he said, okay, and he gave him Saul, who wasn't a good king, but then he secretly appointed David to be the yeah. king on the inner levels. So he appointed him to be the true king, um, and uh, he was St. Alban back in the third century, and uh, let me see. He said Saint Germain worked from the inner planes as the master teacher behind the Neo Platonist inspired Greek philosophy philosopher Proclus, yes. highly honored Plato. So he was busy doing that too, and then um, Merlin in the fifth century, and uh, he was—I get mixed up. There were two Bacon's: Roger Bacon, who. He was a philosopher and a Franciscan monk who inspired, he tried to inspire the, the scientists to have more of an open mind in thinking about things, but they thought he was a little extreme. And then he was Columbus and he was given a vision that he said he he actually was inspired by uh, I think it was that Bacon who he was previously. Um, and then he was Francis Bacon, who gave us the scientific method after Columbus. Some
2: some people say. What was that? And some people say some of the Shakespeare plays were uh, written by Francis Bacon.
7: Yes. As a matter of fact, um, Francis Bacon brought the scientific method. And people really, he saw, were more influenced by their emotions than that, than their scientific mind. So he said, well, nobody wants to listen to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm making this up. But, but it was like he said, well, I think I'm going to go and try to influence them in a different way. And he sort of shaked his death. And they saw him being buried, but they also saw him with um, – his, uh, no, I, I wait. I'm trying to think if it was was it yeah with Francis Bacon because I'm thinking of the Countess Saint Germain. That's different. Okay, Francis Bacon. They saw him at his own funeral.
8: Yes. Yeah, okay. I heard but that. He
7: didn't really. He didn't really die. He went into the the mountains by Hungary, which is his his um his master was the Great Divine Director, and he went into the mountains up by the the retreats of the Okazi retreats, and he wrote the Shakespearean plays. And one of the reasons he took the name Shakespeare, other than he said he owed that guy some karma, was Uh the word Shakespeare. And You know, in ancient Greece, uh, Pallas Athena stood in the Acropolis with her golden sword, and they said when the sun rose, her sword appeared to shake. And so it was, his name was Will I Am Shake a Spear?
1: Wow. Oh, <laughs>
2: exactly. I'm looking at the time. What do you go? We're almost out of time. Um, thank you. I I will uh, contemplate that. That's going to be tonight's uh, meditation. Shakespeare and Athena's uh, shaking uh, spear. So thank you. You wrote an awesome book, The Ascension Ahead book for God's uh, children. That is available on Amazon in both uh, printed and Kindle form. And how else can people enter your world and explore you? You are very enthusiastic. I I like that. Um, And the enthusiasm is infectious. So how can people enter your world, Ellen?
7: I'll be honest with you. I still haven't gotten a website or anything together. I'm not very, you know, I have not been very marketing savvy as far as my spiritual life. I'm sorry about that.
2: It's okay. You have that book. So you have the podcast. So it's a start.
7: Yes, and thank you so much. You all have a beautiful evening.
2: Thank you so very much, and you as well. We're going to take a brief uh, music break, uh, and then we'll be back with Maria D'Andrea. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and our last segment for uh, tonight is Sages and Sears. And we have as a guest uh, the amazing Maria D'Andrea. Maria has written over 50 books, and uh, she's given lectures on more topics than uh, most people are familiar with. Uh, she is an awesome individual, and I'm glad to welcome her back to the show. Greetings and welcome, Maria. How are you?
8: Wonderful, and thank you for inviting me on the show. Again, we always have so much fun, and you're so knowledgeable. Yeah. I just love it. <laughs>
2: well, thank you. And it's, it's been a long time, so I'm glad you're here. Um, you've written a new book, which, uh, again, you've written many books, but uh, this is your uh, <laughs> uh, latest, so tell us about it.
8: Well, it's called Witchcraft the Occult and How to Select the Familiar. I, I always laugh because people when they think of familiars, they think of witches and you know, big cauldrons and a black cat. <laughs> and it's yes. really not like that. Yeah. You know, I find well first of all, you know, I'm from Europe, so I'm a shaman through Hungary. And mm-hmm. when you look at shamanism, every culture has a sh- form of shamanism, all of them. Doesn't yes. matter what you call them, it's the same thing. Right? <laughs> And basically, when you're a Native American, you would call a familiar a totem. If you're in a different culture, if you're Wiccan, you're going to call your familiar a familiar. So the names change sometimes, but all it means is that you have a connection that will work with you on either the spirit plane, like a mythical creature, or on the physical plane, like, you know, a cat or um, a horse or a dragon. So it's in all different cultures, and it depends on what you're connected to. So we consciously work with them in a positive way.
2: <laughs> you're you're now a very I'm, positive person, so I know that it would be no other way. It has to be positive uh, when it involves you, and that's awesome.
6: <laughs> well, I always laugh because
8: I have to tell you, my students and when I do readings, they are so sick of me going, only positive, only positive, only positive. <laughs> Although, well, I like that about I, I, you. <laughs> well, it's funny because I have absolutely nothing negative in any of my books. And most of my books are how-to so people can improve their lives and do things for themselves. You know? But I never put anything negative because I truly believe in karma. So we, there's always a positive way to get everything to come in for you.
6: There's mm-hmm. absolutely
8: no reason to do negative.
6: <laughs>
8: right. You know, free, free will. Unfortunately, some people choose the wrong path.
1: <laughs> yeah. yes they do so and
8: that's what I love about you too because you're always helping people and you're always teaching people inadvertently or consciously but you're really always teaching people and helping them elevate spiritually in a positive way and so does Athena
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah, yes she does it's good that we're in the same uh, circle there because uh, uh, the world has enough uh, negativity and life is really short so Um, if we get out of the habit of viewing things negatively and acting from a negative place, uh, even though life doesn't get any easier, it becomes very, very pleasant compared to how it was, you know, when you're mired in the negativity. So even for your own sake, uh, a positive life is the way to go.
8: Oh, definitely. You know, and I always look at it as life is an adventure. And it really is because people misunderstand sometimes. They think that, We're um, physical, but we have a spirit body within us. And it's really the opposite. Because when you think of your aura, your energy field, that's really your spirit. So Mm
0: -hmm. your spirit
8: is much, much bigger than your physical body. It's actually the reverse. So I I always laugh at the misconception because you have an aura, you have energy, it's like, of course, it's the reverse. And when you're dealing with familiars or totems or, whatever labels you, people call them. It depends on the culture. When you're dealing with them, they're positive. And the funny part that I found through years of doing this is that if you look at the familiar that you are connected to, that you attracted into your life, or that you called on to a specific situation, okay,
0: when mm-hmm. they come to
8: you, it tells you a little bit about who you are.
6: Because right. there's that
8: code law that says life attracts life. So if you're positive, you will never attract the negative familiar. If you're negative, I hate to say this, but you're not attracting a positive one. So if you look at what you're attracting, it actually tells you about yourself and helps you grow.
2: That's a very important point. And most people don't uh, uh, consider how much life mirrors you to yourself. Because uh, you could oh, only understand right. things through your own understanding. So... Uh, what you see tells you a lot more about you than it does about what you're looking at a lot of times.
8: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, too, I find that um, what's familiar is people always look at it as limited to
0: cats.
8: (laughs) Yes, we do. But basically, there can be guardians, spirit animals, physical animals, uh, elementals, elves, fairies, leprechauns, dragons, um, unicorns. And on the physical plane, you know, it can also be any type of a protector or advisor, you know. Mm-hmm. Or I always like that we always have pathfinders for literally finding your path in your own life because the whole point is to elevate yourself and to help others. And totems can also be stone, trees, or anything in nature, in other realms right. or in the physical realm. And people just limit it to one type only because they don't know. So, I would suggest to people that are listening that if you really think about what is your favorite animal, mythical or otherwise, when you really think about that na- the nature of that particular animal, it's going to give you an idea of who you are. Because your strongest attraction is for a reason. And honestly, it could be a cat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they change, too. It's not a static thing. Sometimes the totem will stay exactly. with you for for decades, if not your entire life, but uh, uh, sometimes a new totem will pop into the picture and uh, you, you reach a different place in your life. So you attract that. And, and you're right. It's not always a animal that people are familiar with. It could be something mythical and it doesn't even have to be an animal. It could be an elemental. It could be a nature spirit. Uh, it could be, uh, um, you know, it could take many different uh, guises, but each of them uh, are important to where you are right now.
8: Oh, Exactly, you know, and what I find that's funny. I had a client years ago. Well, you know, I do readings full time, this is what I do everything in the spiritual realm. And uh-huh. you know, I was doing the readings with somebody, and I was trying to explain how it works because it came up in one of my classes. And the reading, and I was saying basically, if you look at a totem plus you, that equals success <laughs> because really, when you're working with a spirit, uh, mm-hmm. a person, on the familiar side or the totem, it's going to attract success into your life. So a lot of times I always laugh because people think about what I do for a living. And, again, I do the readings and everything else full time or I travel to teach at different events, uh, you know, internationally. And I always laugh because they can't figure out how I can always make my bills when I don't have a 9-to-5 job. (laughs) So I'm always trying to explain, you know. If you trust the universe or your source, now, I happen to be an interfaith minister besides being a shaman, so my source is divine power. But whatever Mm -hmm. your source is, I look at it, there are different labels, but it's the same source, just different ways to get there. So whatever your source is, if you trust it, it just comes. So a lot of times, you know, you can focus on something that you want, a situation, uh, emotionally or particular type of friendship or relationship or job, if you really focus on it and you let it go and you go and do your other other business and you do other things, you'd be surprised how it comes in. We never know when it comes in. We just know it is coming in. And it's always definite. Now, until you actually feel that, (laughs) it's not going to work that much. But the first time it happens, then you start going, oh, you know what? It happened this time, let me try it again. And the more it happens, the more trust you build and the more things come in. It's a terminal effect. And it's actually funny how the universe works. you got to love it.
2: (laughs) It is. And uh, it sometimes happens very fast. You'll say something and it'll happen like uh, uh, very quickly within a day or two. And that's amazing. Uh, how responsive the universe is. And sometimes it takes years and it'll pop up. Uh, my my strangest story with that is I was looking for a book. I was a big fan of Conan the Barbarian. And oh, uh, there was a book. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is before the internet. So, you know, it was difficult to uh, <laughs> find uh, some books. So I, I went to all the right. bookstores. I went to used bookstores. I couldn't find this book anywhere. And the places where I did find it, uh, ultimately, it was way too expensive, so I told the universe that I wanted it, and uh, I forgot about it, because years passed, Then one day, I had a, a feeling to go to Barnes & Noble, so I did, because uh, I always trust my gut with things like that, and I found the book in the discount bin uh, at Barnes & Noble, <laughs> so I bought it for three dollars, and I asked, because oh, every, I maybe these. I asked them, uh, do they have any more things like this? And the guy looked it up in the computer and says, I don't even know how that got there. <laughs> so I said, it got there because I asked for it years ago. So it, it got delivered today. Uh, but yeah, but a lot of times it's fast. But sometimes if you don't give up, the universe never gives up. It'll give you what you want. Yeah. It, the
8: funny part is that sometimes you forget after you put that intent out. And then uh-huh. it'll pop up and you're going oh yeah. I Uh now something funny that happened a while ago i have a spiritual brother
0: and actually i'm in new
8: york he's in albuquerque when he used to live in new york uh he was living in a room it was renting a room temporarily in a house with people renting a lot of different rooms and i'd say he was the only positive person in the building (laughs) (laughs) and he had an urge where he had to get away for the weekend. He kept saying something's held off, and he didn't feel good about it, and he didn't know what it was, and he just really, really needed to get away. We did a reading on it, and I said to him, "Hmm, you need to get away like Friday,
0: come back (laughs) Sunday
8: night, because something negative is going to come down, right? So he goes away for the weekend. Now, we're in New York. He went to Jersey, right? So he goes to Jersey. He's hanging out with some people, and I get a phone call, from um, somebody that we both know, mutual friends, that said, I really need to get over to his play. Well, what happened was he asked me before he left, he said, can I please do something to protect his room? Because he was really worried about his possessions. Some of them right. were more emotional than valuable, but he was really worried. So one of my totems is a dragon. Now, people don't think about this, but familiars obviously change shapes. They're not limited yes. by space and time. So sometimes my dragon's a little tiny thing. Sometimes it's gigantic. (laughs) So (laughs) I had my dragon, and I stationed my dragon in front of his door, blocking the door. Right? (laughs) So now I get this phone call, right? So now I get this phone call that basically says, you know, mutual friends, that you have got to go down to, you know, where my friend is. You have to go to his house because there are police everywhere. So now I know he's not there. (laughs) I'm a little worried. So I go over there and on a little bit of on the freaky side, I go there. Police uh, are everywhere. The sirens are going. There was, um, you know, a fire engine that was just leaving when I got there. The whole house burned except. His <laughs> oh, wow. So when I pulled up, I got out of the car and. I honestly couldn't tell the difference. There was a desk or something. There was something outside that was furniture, and it was so blackened, I couldn't tell the difference between a desk and a dresser, right? So uh-huh. now I'm thinking there's something really wrong. Everything burned except his room. So now the police are looking for him <laughs> because they can't figure out how his room is the only one that didn't have any damage, I and mean, there was no fire in his room whatsoever, right? Right. So now wow. I'm thinking, should I call my friend or just wait till he comes home because there's nothing he can do? Right? So the police are questioning everybody about where he is. I'm explaining he's in Jersey, you know, but they figured that there's something wrong and his was the only one that didn't burn at all. So now I, I talked to my friend and I said, listen, when you come home, <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to be aware you need to tell the police where you were and you need to make sure that your friend. Understand what happened so they don't go, What did you do? <laughs> so he completely he was a jerk. So the funny part don't... was, good. Go ahead. Go
5: on.
8: No, so the funny part was, he comes home and he says to me, Listen, he has to get rid of one or two of his things because he couldn't get rid of the smoke smell. But there wasn't anything in his room that was hurt. So he says to me, Listen, you can tell the dragon to leave now. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Because now my stuff is safe. <laughs> I'm fine. And he says, I'm going to take my stuff. I'm going to go somewhere else. You're dragging to leave now. <laughs> now, which obviously cannot say to the nice police officer, listen, we had no. a dragon at the door. <laughs>
2: I, 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 <laughs> I know. How it works. <laughs> we, we, we talk about that on the show a lot about how um, if you're sensitive to uh, other realms, Uh, You learn fairly Mm -hmm. early in life that you have to censor yourself (laughs) in how you present things and you you have to uh, kind of not convey how you get uh, certain types of information. Now, you are very generous in your knowledge in that your books, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned before, are how-to's. So um, you always show people the way to do these things uh, themselves. And if you read more than one of your books, uh, you, you see that they're all like different gems. You know, they have different facets. And uh, <laughs> uh, if you read different oh, books, I you really get different that. perspectives. <laughs> so, well, um,
8: I, I like to teach people because I feel the more you know for yourself, the better the world gets. In fact, there's a really quick way to find out what your familiar is with without getting very heavy into it. Okay. So okay, so the technique is this. I was trying to think of very something very easy that everybody can do. And it's okay. not on a very heavy level, but you would still get an idea of at least one of your familiars or total. Okay. So it takes fourteen days. That's not a lot when you think about it, because no. do vision quest. vision questing is very complicated, it's very heavy and we're dealing on a different shamanic level. But this is something everybody can do. So the first seven days, each day, before you get out of bed in the morning, you pick something that you want to focus on that's a color, as an example. It can be a color, an animal, anything. But to make it easy, you want to make it a color. So as an example, when you get up in the morning, what you put out to the universe is you're saying, I want to see um, blue, as an example, Okay. Uh, for the rest of the day. And it's amazing, as you're going through the day and you're paying attention, right, it's amazing how many times you're actually going to see that color. You might have somebody walking behind you on the street, and you have the urge to turn around, and the person's wearing blue, right? So when you really think about how many times you've actually seen that, right, then the next day you pick something different, okay? So after the seven days, okay, because basically what you're doing is you're psychically tuning in so that you're on that frequency vibration on the alpha level. So first of all, Frequency-wise, we work from different frequencies. So I've worked with scientists, and basically your brain wave is on different levels. So they have gamma, which people don't talk about. Gamma brain wave is your fight and flight, okay? Okay. You have beta. Your beta level is when we're talking to each other normally.
2: Right your now, yes.
8: Your theta level, right. Your alpha level and your theta level, which is deeper, are basically your intuition, your psychic. Um your emotions, but mainly on your psychic level. And the last one is delta, which is more when you think of a coma or somebody that puts themselves into a very deep trance, that's more on the delta level. So when you're doing the seven days, you're training yourself to go into the alpha state, which is a lighter level, but it's on the psychic level, so you're intuitive and you're tuned in for information. Okay? So now after the seven days, what you're going to do is you're going to ask To see what your totem is. Okay? And what you're going to do is for seven more days, you're going to ask every morning, you're going to pay attention to the information you get. So it can come in from anywhere. It could be that you're watching TV and all of a sudden you see a commercial that has a wolf. Um, You're driving down the street and one of the high schools has that as one of their sports uh, thingies. You know how technical I am. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah.
8: Right? You it, right? So when you look at things, you're going to start noticing what keeps repeating. And when right. it keeps repeating, it's telling you this is your connection. When you find your connection, what you're going to do is you're going to look up um, the traits of the real animal, the gemstone, the herb, whatever it happens to be, okay, uh, on the mythical side or on the physical plane. And you're going to look up the real traits. Because when you look up spirit animals, they've added a lot of things to it. And originally, familiars and uh, totems coming to us, basically were from the physical side. So if you think tribal, they were looking at the animals and their traits. They were not looking at spirit animals where they added on two things. So as an example, if you run across uh, a spirit animal and it happens to be, say, a fox, Right. Mm-hmm. Most people will look at a fox as it's being sneaky and it's maneuvering because it doesn't run in a straight line. Okay? Animals do not think like that. The reason no. the fox is running like that is if it runs in a straight line, the horse and the hunter on top of the horse are going to shoot it because they're quicker. Okay? So it's right. instinct. You know The same thing if you're walking in a forest, and you have a fox, and you're walking not too far away from it. It's going to leave you alone. It doesn't want to bother you. Doesn't care what you're doing. But if you're getting too close to its young, you should run. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Very true. So you have to look
8: at the animal traits. <laughs> and it's funny because sometimes in readings um, totems come up. Sometimes they don't. You know, it depends on. You never know ahead of time what comes up in a reading. <laughs>
2: No, you don't. Now, we're we're running out of time, so I want people to know, uh, you know, basically aside from your books, which are available on Amazon and also through uh, Tim Beckley's uh, um, Inner Light uh, Global Communications uh, companies, um, yes. how else can people uh, enter your world?
8: Well, first of all, I do readings full time. That's my main thing. And if anybody's interested in me teaching, speaking anywhere, uh, I'm international. They can just call me, and I do travel. So if they want to get in touch with me, my cell number, they can call me, text me at 631-559-1248. And actually, if you look at my site, which is just com, it Mm -hmm. normally has all my information on it. Uh, And you can find me on Facebook. Uh, which is that Maria D'Andrea, right, or um, basically anywhere. Just Google my name. <laughs> but if you look they at my know. site, it will have all the information
2: on there. And as I said okay. before, Maria has over 50 books published. So uh, she's very, very generous in uh, sharing the treasures that she's uh, spent a lifetime uh, gathering and that have come to her through her shamanic uh, training and her culture. Um, And uh, for a while after uh, Maria and I first connected, I was meeting all sorts of Hungarian shamans (laughs) under mysterious circumstances, so uh, uh, you you opened the door to a very interesting set of uh, adventures. Maria, thank you so very much. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Uh, Before you go, um, what is the name of your latest book again, and can you offer any words of wisdom uh, to the people joining us from home?
8: Okay, the one on the familiars is called Witchcraft, the Occult, and How to Select a Familiar. By the way, another one that, if somebody's interested, is called Supernatural Words of Power, because that book will help you create your future.
2: Very awesome. And like we said before, it is phenomenally positive. Uh, You will not get negative things here, because uh, Maria is a phenomenally positive person.
8: Thank you. And it's always such a pleasure being on your show. And thank you so much for having me on again. I love doing your show. We always have so much fun.
2: We, we, we have to do it more often. Uh, and any last yeah. words of wisdom you can offer to all those who seek uh, to look beyond the veil?
8: What I would, well, two things. One is I would suggest to people that if you're going to get heavier into the spiritual realm, I would suggest that you learn what's called psychic self. Defense is a subject, and it doesn't matter if you learn it from me, the library, wherever, because basically that will keep you safe no matter what happens. So um, you stay on the positive side. You can't get hurt.
2: There you go. Thanks again, Maria. Joyous journeys. And to all who've joined us from home, thank you for joining us. Uh, I hope that uh, you enjoyed our guest as much as I did. Uh, it's been an awesome night. And until next time, this is Hercules and Maria wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures.
1: <laughs> Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Go forth and create a better world, one filled with light and love. On behalf of the Pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.